Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And we are right now in the process of releasing our second ever economic forecast and contribution report of the uh, engineering industry for the U.S. economy uh, by the ACEC Research Institute in conjunction with Rockport Analytics. And on December 8th, the Research Institute will be hosting a webinar that is free for anyone who wants to register for it. And it's entitled, What Lies Ahead? Understanding Engineering's Future Impact on the U.S. Economy. This webinar is really focused on the second annual report to talk about the report and and really why it's so important for our members and anyone out there who's interested in the AE space. Um, I'm very pleased to welcome Ken McGill with Rockport Analytics. And uh, Ken presented uh, by video at our fall conference during a session on the last day of the conference, which was one actually, Ken, that was one of the most, I'd say after that session ended, we got the most feedback, positive feedback. I think uh, everybody loved it, uh, the review of that. So thank you for, for participating on video. Um, really, really do uh, appreciate that. And welcome onto the show. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, glad to be here. Um, and it was a nice compliment that you paid us in, in terms of the interest in the in the report and in the work in general. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess you, I, I guess you can't be too surprised um, <laughs> that people are very interested in where the industry is heading over the next mm -hmm. uh, year, year and a half, because we're in this moment where, uh, well, transition maybe is a kind word for it, but it's it's a phenomenal time of change for the economy for construction in general, and certainly for our industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, um, it's been a momentous couple of weeks, at least on the infrastructure side with the infrastructure bill passing, of course, and being being signed into law. But then, I mean, we're coming out of the effects of 2020 and the pandemic. And, you know, what we noticed out of the report is that really the AE space didn't do too poorly. Um, and on the forecast that you guys did, it, really things were looking pretty good. How are how are the numbers changing? What are the big differences between the last report and and what we're what we're coming out with now? Well, uh, I think the biggest change we've seen is that um, it, it's the sort of surprise to the upside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with all of the media and and frankly even industry coverage on the effects of the pandemic on virtually every sector in the U.S. economy. You know, you, you sort of develop this sense of pessimism about things. But as soon as you peel the onion and take a look into the numbers a little more deeply, what you notice is that, yes, the pandemic was devastating to the economy, but it was very uneven, very what we call asymmetric, meaning that some portions of the economy, some, some parts of the country, some occupations, some demographic cohorts benefited from all of this, while mm -hmm. others obviously paid a, a, a tremendous price for it. Uh, the AE space, you know, the, the engineering design services sector itself, I'd say uh, um, based upon our initial expectations, we fared better than we thought we would in this pandemic. 
Yeah, and it seems big changes. It seems that way. I mean, looking at the numbers, employment and the number of actual engineering establishments increased. We did see a reduction in, of course, public infrastructure spending, which is understandable given the fact that you had uncertainty not only on the future of funding at the time with with, uh, the end of the FAST Act, but then also the fact that public agencies stopped work on a lot of projects. Um, But that was kind of offset by private sector growth in the residential market in data centers. And um, really that move, that that focus, it's kind of like the shift towards a more digital workspace in the digital economy. So increasing data center uh, design and construction work. Residential with all the moves that happened and in, in the, the continuing hot residential market. So it does seem like overall the, the industry kind of buoyed the storm very, very well. Well, there, you know, there were structure types, as you noted, uh, public infrastructure being a good example, that did, did not fare as well during this pandemic-driven recession. But interestingly enough, a lot of it, I mean, some of it is secular. There's an under, underlying secular trend that we can talk about. But some of it is also sort of um, a function of just delaying things more than mm-hmm. outright cancellations. And yeah. uh, as you noted, you know, between e-commerce, between work at home, you know, these these uh, both pandemic-driven and, let's say, even underlying secular trends have favored the development of, say, um, data centers or warehousing, for example, is another uh, segment that's done quite well. So it goes back to what I said before between the haves and the have-nots. And, you know, when you talk about job losses in the AE space, they were very minimal. Yeah. Uh, during the pandemic, um, the number of establishments you noted went up, wages went up. So the labor component, the labor side of our industry actually fared quite well through the pandemic. There were some revenue losses um, during 2020, about s- just a little more than 7%. So, yeah, there was a recession. We've lived through it. And I think even by late 2020, the firms in the AE space were already feeling and certainly anticipating the recovery. Yeah, there, there seemed to be a, a good deal of optimism when we were down in Florida um, and talking to uh, our member firm leaders that, you know, really the actually what we heard the most. And, and I know that this was you, the report was written in such a way because that great unknown was the infrastructure bill. And it was hard to, to add that in when nobody knew exactly what was going to happen with it. But now is the question of, OK, great. It's almost like it's a wonderful problem to have to an extent that you have so much work that's potentially coming your way and you're dealing with the labor issue from your perspective and the research that you're that you've done. I mean, if you are a CEO or if you're if you're someone who's trying to do just kind of forecasting your own business, I mean, how do you think that labor crunch is going to add into the coming couple of years? I mean, how, how do you think the industry is going to respond to that? Well, as we noted in the report, you know, that's a, let's say, a downside risk. Just uh, as you noted, it's sort of a nice problem to have that we finally gotten the infrastructure bill passed. And yeah. over the next five years, we've got $550 billion of, of, new, of new infrastructure activity coming into this space. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cause for celebration. Yeah. Um, but as soon as the celebrating is over and, and a CEO, for example, begins to think, how am I going to fulfill all of this 
potentially new business for us. And uh, you look at both the supply chain constraints on the material side, and then on the labor market side, these are real problems um, that frankly are not new to the infrastructure bill, but will probably be at least in the early going sort of exacerbated Mm -hmm. by the coming of this new business into the pipeline. On the supply side, looking at where we sit right now and, and, and kind of the, research that you've done in producing the report, I mean, how much do you think issues related to inflation, just supply of materials um, is going to impact the industry in the, in, in the next year or so? Well, um, everyone talks about this inflation being, uh, or hopefully being transitory, mm-hmm. uh, being, in other words, driven primarily by the supply chain bottlenecks uh, around the world. Um, we're already at work sort of uh, dealing with those issues, and obviously they can't be solved overnight. So, you know, a year from now, we're, I think we're going to be still dealing with some um, of this transitory inflation caused by the supply chain. Uh, that'll put pressure on um, the bottom line for a lot of our, our member firms. And, um, you know, after that point, from a supply perspective, anyway, Jeff, I, I think uh, some of this um, white hot inflation, let's say that we're looking yeah. at now, will begin to abate. That's that's the hope that it is transitory um, and and that it will stabilize um, by 2022. I mean, by by hopefully the midpoint of 2022, we'll actually get some some stabilization out of it. I mean, Jerome Powell has been named to stay on as as uh, Fed chair, so. Um, don't expect a lot of changes on that um, on, on that side of things. The question well, I, I have, if I could, yeah, if I could yeah, throw in a comment, absolutely, on that, uh, please. Um, the the consistency created by choosing Jerome Powell, I think, is a positive uh, for the economy from for markets in particular. Yeah, um, I think what we will see, however, is because of this heightened sense of uh, inflation, which is also one of the managing it is one of the goals of the Fed, I think we'll probably see them um, accelerate their reductions, if you will, in quantitative easing. In other words, Mm -hmm. they'll stop buying bonds and injecting direct liquidity into the economy um, sooner than they originally planned. And we may actually see a slight small set of uh, interest rate increases in, in, let's say, later in the year, if 2022. I don't think um, those things will be enough to sort of slow down the recovery that we're Mm -hmm. experiencing, but they may help with inflation expectations, which is, you know, which is half of the game. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's the anticipation of the market. Um, of exactly what to expect. And if you're able to take off some of that stress, then things should balance out. I, you know, it, it seems to be a situation where, I mean, from, from your role in, in, at, at Rockport, I mean, it seems as though you, you, we weathered the storm very well from, from, from the pandemic. From a macro level, do you think that we're going into more of a 
if if we're able to stabilize you know any inflationary concerns if we're able to kind of put a governor on the speed of the recovery to keep it going do you think that we're kind of on an upsurge in the business cycle that we're not we're not going to be have to worry that much about a, a secondary effect of recession or something down the line in 2022-23 you know what what's your perspective on how things are going to be looking and in, in, in just from a macroeconomic perspective Great question. I think from a macro perspective, uh, we do not see um, a, a coming weakness, let's say in 2022 or 2023. We'll still be feeling the positive effects of the recovery from the pandemic at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and remember that the recovery from the pandemic is a global issue. It's not just a U.S. issue. Uh, in, in some respects, typical recoveries, typical recessions even, the whole world does not do either one at the same time. Yet here we find ourselves now where everyone is beginning to reawaken, if you will, from the pandemic and recover at the same time. Frankly, that's one of the biggest reasons why we have these supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. But when you look out 2022, 2023, there's just nothing we're seeing that suggests to us that a, um, you know, that we've exhausted the recovery at that point and we'll begin to actually turn south from a macro perspective. Now, business cycles are still a reality and, um, you know, one should always expect the next one. But uh, when you look at the excesses or let's say lack of excesses in our economy right now, um, we don't see that uh, for at least the next three years. Yeah. That's that's good to know. Um, and that kind of ties into I really my next question, which really is just from the perspective of a an ACEC member firm executive, you know, having this report, what's what's the biggest benefit you think of? Why would you say download this report and use it? Um, what, what is the best actionable thing that that an executive could do with this information for their own business? Well, um a report like this, I think, provides um, first and foremost sort of perspective. Uh, a CEO running a firm, um, especially in an environment like this, you know, it, it's they're doing their best just to recover from day day in and day out activity. Yeah. And a report like this allows them to sort of back away for a minute and look at the bigger picture. So it gives a per- perspective on what's happening in their piece of this entire world relative to everything else that's going on. So, I mean, that's a sort of broad generalization. There there are direct uh, uses for it as well. I mean, you've got budgeting, you've got strategic planning uh, ahead of us, particularly now with the infrastructure bill passed, there's a lot of planning that needs to be done. And uh, a report like this can give you that sort of foundational set of numbers from which to develop some of these plans. Yeah, and I, and I think that from the planning perspective, I, I like the fact that you do include a map which kind of shows the states with the highest, you know, the, the fastest amount of growth compared to some other states that might have lagged in the amount of uh, sector activity. And, you know, the one thing I noted is that uh, some of the southern states, Texas, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi, Louisiana, not just the southern states, because you have Wyoming and North Dakota also but showed a bit of a, of a, of a slow growth. But those areas in the South are critical for supply chain. 
with the infrastructure bill in place, it kind of changes the equation. It's almost like that that slow growth of uh, activity creates an opportunity with all this federal money being injected in that there might be uh, opportunities to grow in certain areas of the country. Well, some of the areas, not all of them, but some of the yeah. areas you outlined, um, you're you're precisely uh, correct. It, it's it's interesting when you think about the Sun Belt and some of the states that you identified there, for example, you know, from a secular perspective, you've got demographics and industrial shifts going on anyway that were favoring these states. And, um, and of course, with that comes the construction activity associated with with serving all of that growth. Um, on the other hand, you're right. Uh, the supply chain uh, is 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 very much, um, well, how to put it, these states are critical to the supply chain of a lot of this construction activity. And the fact that they've been slower to recover, which is, which is almost entirely due to the pandemic, um, creates a, even a little more friction in that, that sort of supply chain bottleneck problem that we're all dealing with right now. Just the fact that you have... Um... I, it's kind of funny because we're, we were talking to our private markets team and they just released their, um, their first ever K through 12 education private market brief because it's something that we usually don't look at because, you know, it, it's, it's that quasi, you know, sometimes public, but mainly, you know, private funded uh, infrastructure, let's say, you know, if, if, if you're talking about, you know, educational infrastructure, but it seems as though, you know, with, with population growth, they actually one of, one of the states that we have in the in the report, which shows one of the pretty much not recovered, is North Dakota, and that was number the fourth state in in rated in population growth because of I guess the oil and gas boom. Yeah. So you know, looking at that, there seems to be you know with the population increases, with with the need to invest in school infrastructure. It seems like that that might be an opportunity. And then Florida, which is actually doing fairly well, was the I think the number one state in population growth with actually the largest school districts in in the uh, I think in, in the country. So there are ways you can splice this data to kind of see exactly what markets you're in, what markets you might be interested in going into, how how are things kind of sorting themselves out amongst the states if you're if you're an engineering firm so i could i could imagine that could be also be useful from a strategic planning perspective well from a long-term planning perspective absolutely but even from a short-term sort of market targeting which is which is i think what you were implying yeah. a moment ago yeah absolutely there's a lot of as well of information actually in this that can help you sort of look even out only uh, next year and beyond and try and target some soft spots that um, that your firm in particular may be particularly well positioned to take advantage of. The education example that you made is a perfect one. When you think about states like Florida in particular, they are so hopelessly behind with the in-migration they've experienced that they can't build schools fast enough. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the same time, I think you're also starting to see the political winds sort of blow towards now public education being a, a, a priority again, mm -hmm. so especially in these states. So absolutely. There are other targeting nuggets, for lack of a better word, in this report that yeah. can help you with similar examples. 
Yeah, I'm hesitant to go into too much data because I really want people to download the report. <laughs> you know, what what what's the one thing you that kind of might stood out to you or surprised you um, in in this year's report that might have been the biggest deviation from from last year? Well, as I, I think I mentioned at the top of our conversation, Jeff, I think it, it, the fact that we fared much better during this pandemic-driven recession than we expected, that also means that our recovery was a little stronger than we expected a year ago. Now, um, on top of that, we layer on the infrastructure bill, and uh, <laughs> I think our industry is very well positioned to take advantage of this recovery. Yeah. And um, that's that's why having research like this is so important to help guide that decision making. So, Ken, I mean, you know, the video of your presentation at Fall Conference is up and available online. We have that up on YouTube and Vimeo, our, our two video sites. Really encourage people to watch that presentation. It's going to be linked into the show notes of this podcast. And then also to head over to um, the Research Institute to download this report and, and to use it. Uh, because it's it's critically important that uh, we have our own research that defines our industry. And then on the 8th, um, either live or after the fact on demand, register for What Lies Ahead, Understanding Engineering's Future Impact on the U.S. Economy. And we're going to be look, taking a, a deep dive into this report, which is uh, something we just wanted to kind of glance on today, but 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 really get into the to the fine details of the report. So, Ken, I really do appreciate your time today. And uh, you know, before we go, I mean, Rockport Analytics. I mean, for anybody out there who's interested in what you specialize in, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about uh, the firm and um, where they, they can reach you. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. First of all, it was a pleasure. Uh, it was nice to talk to you today. And uh, as far as Rockport Analytics, uh, we've been around since 2009. And um, we are economic and market research professionals um, looking at a number of markets, uh, the AE uh, space being one of our more important ones. Um, we do economic forecasts. We do economic analysis. We do economic impact work. Um, in our nomenclature here, we're calling it the contribution. And um, yeah, if we can help in any way, please reach out. Great. Well, Ken, uh, thank you again. And a great report. Looking forward to really getting this out into our members' hands. Again, this has been Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.